Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 John chapter 4, 15 through 17. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, please open them up to Isaiah chapter 9, the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. And we'll read that scripture in just a few moments. We don't have Christmas Eve services here at uh, the Kerrville Church of Christ, but I am grateful that other members of the Christian community host those. And I heard that at one such service, a preacher was launching his message and the electricity went out. Well, the ushers found some candles and they placed them around the auditorium and they found a very bright one and brought it up to where the minister was preaching so that he could continue his message. And he got up in a loud voice and said, now, where was I? And a tired voice from the back said, close to the end. <laughs> well, it may seem like close to the end this morning because I am going to preach an abbreviated message. It's my Christmas present to you. But we are, <laughs> I love you too, Art. We are at the end of the Christmas season, and it brings us to the very last of the Advent candles, uh, the candle of love. All four candles represent the four amazing gifts, at least four, that Jesus brought with his coming and made possible to this world because of that coming. In a dark world desperately in need of some light, Jesus brought the light of hope. He brought the light of peace. He brought the light of joy. And today's candle, he brought the light of love. 600 years before that event, however, Isaiah prophesied that it would happen. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no End. And I want to ask you this morning for a promise made and a promise kept. Let's give thanks for that. Mighty Father, we love you. And we thank you for coming. You promised that you would and you, you made good on your word. And along with millions of Christians across the globe today, but particularly those at St. Peter's Episcopal Church, we join our hearts to theirs and in one mighty voice, say, thank you. You didn't have to, but you came. And we are glad that we were worth the trouble. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, 
Now there's a phrase, worth the trouble. When was the last time you used it? Ah, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to go to all that trouble. (laughs) And the truth is, they didn't. They didn't have to bake. They didn't have to drive. They didn't have to come. They didn't have to look. They didn't have to deliver. They didn't have to pick up. They didn't have to write. They didn't have to pay for. But the complete truth is, most of the time when they do, (laughs) we are so glad they did, that they went to the trouble. I hope it hasn't been that long since someone has gone to the trouble for you. It is amazing for someone to cook you a meal and entertain you while you eat it, which is exactly what one of our sisters here did for our staff a few weeks back. It is amazing for people to go to the trouble to bake you cakes and divinity and send donuts and pastries to the office. And many of you have gone to the trouble. And I want you to know I'm on to you. You may not want to lose the weight yourself this year, but do not put it on us, all right, so you look better. But thanks for going to all the trouble. We were blessed. It is amazing to me that someone would go to the trouble to take hundreds of photographs and then to put them into a calendar and give you a copy of that calendar. It's amazing for someone to purchase you a round of golf with their hard-earned money, not just invite you to come play, but to pay for you to come and play. When someone goes to that kind of trouble for you, it matters. And by God's grace, I have been the recipient of Lots of trouble that you've gone to to let me know that I matter to you. And I just want to say thank you. I was literally typing these words into the word processor when Jack Schubert shoots me a video to demonstrate that he had just fixed my meat grinder. Next to Jesus will sit Jack Schubert. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. The guy took my meat grinder, and he didn't just repair it, buy a part, and then put it back in. No, the guy, listen to me, manufactured a part and put it in. And now that meat grinder works, and now we have a grinder, Jack and I. Not everybody here. I'm not sure you're worth that kind of trouble. But Jack is. And for someone to go to that kind of trouble for you, it just stuns you. It absolutely stuns you. And here's why, because it says in some small way, you matter. Jack doing that for me in some small way said, Jimmy, you matter to me. And I heard it loud and clear. There are two people in my life that I am most grateful for than anybody else because they demonstrate on a daily basis that I matter. And the first one's my bride. She helps me to see that I matter every single day. I wear clean clothes because she thinks I'm worth the trouble. I eat great meals, come home to a clean, warm house, have bills paid, have my grocery shopping done, and I'm prayed for every day because she thinks I'm worth the trouble. And some of the best days of my life have occurred when I have been in the creative crosshairs of her love. Birthdays, anniversaries, and even better, I love these, just because days become extraordinary days when I'm in the crosshairs of her love. And she lets me know that I'm worth the trouble. I gotta tell you about the most memorable one of late. In the midst of caring for her dad in his last days, during that time, 
My wife takes it upon herself to arrange for a bucket list item for mine to be checked off. To go see in concert, listen to me, James Taylor. I'm talking about the in my mind, I'm going to Carolina, James Taylor. And it was phenomenal. And she did that in the midst of the last two weeks of her father's life for me. It is truly an amazing gift when someone says, you're worth that kind of trouble. When you're worth someone's time, when you're worth someone's effort, when you're worth someone's energy, it can so lift your heart. Amen? Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I'm a follower of Christ. Because nobody, and I mean nobody, has gone to the trouble that he has to make it clear we matter and that we have purpose in this world. <laughs> and what brought that home not too long ago was I was enjoying some time in the woods, sitting in a stand at an oak tree in Iowa. I was in full camo from head to toe, not moving a muscle, when one of these little guys... crowded my space. I'm telling you, he was that close. Now, that's not the exact squirrel. I don't want to give the impression that I, I took that photograph, but I promise you, he was that close. And he was letting me know, you're not a branch, and I know it. And you are in my tree, and I'd like you out of it. And I mean, he was chattering at me and chattering at me, and he only did so at, at that range for about 30 seconds. And then he joined two other of his squirrel buddies, and I'm telling you, they were tearing it up on the ground, in the air, leaping from tree to tree. They were having a three stooge squirrely blast. And I got to enjoy it. Are you hearing in that the deer hunting was not very good? <laughs> but I had a blast watching those squirrels. But you know what? As acrobatic as they were and as cute as they were and as much fun as they seemed to be having, I never once thought of becoming a squirrel that day. Not once did I consider becoming one of them because you know what? The squirrel world has no appeal for me. I mean, come on, give up um, singing for chattering? No, won't do that. Give up ribeyes for dirty nuts? No, not going to do that. Give up a cozy bed and a warm home for an oak leaf nest in a cold tree? No, <laughs> not doing that. Count me out. But count Jesus in. Because you were worth that kind of trouble. You and I were worth that kind of trouble. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, Paul says he could have, but he didn't. Stay equal in his stature and in his place and in his comfort with God. Instead, he emptied himself of all of that and he became a servant. And not just any servant, but a servant who would go as far for the people that he loved as hanging on a cross for them. That's going to a lot of trouble, isn't it? To begin with, what an existence Jesus gave up for hours. Earth's finest cuisine would be acorns on heaven's table. The idea of becoming a squirrel with claws and tiny teeth and a furry tail, that's nothing compared to God becoming a one-celled embryo and entering the womb of Mary. That's exactly what Jesus did. I don't know that you've taken the time, but I hope that you would. Maybe Christmas Day's not the time that you can do that because it's just so busy with so many folks. But have you thought about it this season? God, 
almighty, infinite God was born into the poverty of a peasant, spent his first night in a feed trough of a cow, that's going to some trouble. The one who sustains the world found his sustenance in a little girl. The one who spoke the world into existence would be taught how to speak. The one who could walk on water would be taught to walk on two feet. The one who would spend three days in a tomb would spend nine months in a womb. Because you, my friend, were worth the trouble. And all because the one who would be known as Savior would first be known as a son. He had to be. The Hebrew writer says so that he could experience everything that we experience to be the priest we needed him to become. The Bible says in a nutshell that God came down. One of our elders prayed this a few moments ago. God came down to our level because we couldn't get up to his unless he did. Unless he went to that kind of trouble. And friend, I just want to remind you this morning, in the shortest, most succinct way I can, you're worth that kind of trouble. I, I don't know how you walked in here this morning. I don't know how you're feeling about yourself and how significant and how much you matter. But the word to you this morning from God himself is this. You are worth the trouble. You are. Now, we have said it most often this way. He loves you. He loves you. As a matter of fact, in the most oft-quoted verse in the entire Bible, because it's probably the most succinct descriptor of who God is and what he's done in us in the Bible, is John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved Coley. For God so loved... Don't you want to hear your name? He did. Jimmy. And Chad. And Linda, God so loved us that he gave his only son. He went to the trouble of giving him up so that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. He, he said, you're worth that kind of trouble. And I forget that. The adversary makes sure every single day I get a hundred messages coming at me. You're not worth that. Come on. Look at what you just did. Look at what you just said. You're not worth anybody's trouble, let alone the Savior of the world. Yeah, right. But you are, my friend. You are worth the trouble. The reason why I've used that phrase so much today is because I think we've just about worn out the word love. Hopefully not. (laughs) But I almost guarantee you, it was probably shared this morning. How many of you here, I'm going to ask, have already opened presents? Raise your hand high. Okay. We don't have any kids that don't put it back down. Um, so we didn't open ours yet, and we're going to have Christmas with my daughter when she comes in from Houston tomorrow, but uh, we haven't opened up presents. But I can almost guarantee you, somebody opened up, probably not underwear, but probably opened up their Xbox or maybe that little felt box with the ring in it and said, I love it! And then turned around and said, I love you. Now, which do you love more? The truth is, the Xbox, <laughs> at least in the moment, or, the, or that little felt box with a couple of rings in it. Or maybe that one ring. We, we just, we lose that meaning, don't we? It's the word agapao in John 3.16.
And it is a word that is not tied to presence found under any tree. But listen to me clearly. It is tied to the persistence and the perseverance of someone who died on a tree for you. Agape, as we more typically refer to it, is less an affection and more a decision. It is less a feeling and more of an action. And it is, listen to me, tenacious to the core. Agape love doesn't disappear at the first sign of trouble. No, sir. It makes itself known in the midst of trouble and can often be described less through definition than demonstration. For example, it's a love between an elderly man and his wife who have demonstrated, you are worth the trouble to me for over 60 years. The last decade of Catherine and CJ's life was marred by Catherine's multiple sclerosis. CJ, her husband, did the best that he could to care for for Catherine at home. But she grew weaker and weaker, and he grew older and older, and finally he did have to put her into a care facility, and he hated it. But there, I'm telling you, he kept her room spotless. Thanks to his diligence, when you would see Catherine horizontal there on the bed, dressed and ready to go, and she wasn't going anywhere. But every day, she was dressed and ready to go. It was because CJ had come. He would arrive at 6.15, beaming to be with his wife and he would tell you you think I was on the payroll here I feed her I bathe her I stay with her and he said you know what I will until one of us dies that's love that's saying you're worth the trouble it's the same kind of demonstration of a father who out of the love for his son spends each night in a recliner, never sleeping more than a couple of hours. A car accident paralyzed his teenage boy. And to maintain the boy's circulation, therapist massages limbs every few hours, and at night the father takes the therapist's place, and he does it, though he worked all day and will work all day the next day. He sets an alarm, he wakes himself up every other hour until sunrise. Why? Because his boy is worth the trouble. What is love? For me, it probably can best be described as being worth the trouble. Not so much a feeling as it is a decision, as it is an action. It's a love that no matter how well you see it displayed here, bears only a resemblance to the originator's love. Only a resemblance, just a replica, and always a far cry from the original. I promise you, our finest love is a refrigerator drawing compared to God's Monet. Our love is a Texas hill compared to the Everest mountain of God's love. Our love is Jimmy weak, but his is Samson strong. We might bathe an aging bride. We might massage a boy's legs, but compare our love to God's? For heaven's sakes, no, for your sake. He climbed into a woman's womb. He lived as a a fugitive for the first two years of his life, and he was just a baby. And when he grew up, he would face a two-faced friend who would turn him in. Hucksters who would call him a hypocrite. Arrogant who would call him a devil. Sinners who would call him guilty. 
and the adulteress who would call him unfaithful. Wow. Why anybody, for any reason, would do anything for people like that? For people like, say it with me, us. Boggles my mind. But you were worth the trouble. You were worth the trouble. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, Paul's going to encourage us in, observe how Christ loved us, all right? I mean, pay close attention, focus in. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Focus in on that, all right? Don't just receive it, but focus in on it. And here's why. Because you need to know deep down, your goodness didn't win his affections. And your badness won't lose his affections either. He loves you because he loves you. He loves you because he is love. And so that can settle some of the fears that Satan tries to put in your mind. If he really loved you, would that happen? There are some folks who aren't sitting in this room who used to sit in this room because they feel like because bad things happen, God doesn't love them anymore. That's untrue. The cross settles that. The cross settles that. But, but when a son is lost or, or an injury occurs or, or they don't get the right response to the cancer test that they had hoped, they say, God doesn't love me, really? Don't you be one of those people. Observe his love, all right? Focus in on it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Because it wasn't your goodness that drew him to you, and it won't be your badness that makes him turn away. It just won't. It won't. You're just worth it, Period. Now, you can resist it. You can ignore it. And the truth of it is, most of the world, the Scripture says, will. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few are going to be the ones who notice and, and choose to follow it. Broad and wide is the road that leads to destruction, and wide will be many who say, nah, big deal, and do their own thing. But when you receive it, when you welcome this kind of love, I'm telling you, it will not leave you the same. It will not only change you, it'll change the world around you. But, brother, you've got to receive it first. Because you can't give away what you don't have. That's not just theological, that's just logical. Money? Give some money away this week that you don't have. That won't happen very much, very long because they'll come find you, friend, in this country and put you in jail. You can't give away something you don't have. You can't give away God's love that you don't have. And that's so huge for some of you who, who want to be more loving. And, and forgive preachers like me who for years have, have made God's love out to be some kind of fire in this world, okay? And you know what? It's getting weak. Oh, no. God's love's getting weak, and we need you Christians out there to stoke it up. Come on, fire it up. And you know what we want you to do? Use your resolve. Come on, let's just lean into this thing and love some people, all right? Man, forgive me if I've ever given you that clue or that, that are pointed to that kind of a message. And I probably have. Your resolve has nothing to do with showing his love in this world, but it has everything to do with receiving it. Everything. 
We love only because He first loved us. Say that with me. We love because He first loved us. Come on, it's Christmas Day. We love because He first loved us. You were worth the trouble. You were worth the trouble. Follow God's example, therefore, as, read that again, dearly loved children. That's who you are. So follow his example as God's dearly loved children, and you walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Yes, he would like for you to be loving, but you know what he'd like for you to do first? Live loved. Just receive it. Oh, went too fast. If you want to be kind and compassionate, he wants you to do that. He wants you to forgive. But you've got to start with God forgiving you. Having trouble with some relatives this weekend who aren't being very nice? Uh, don't poke anybody. Don't dare. Oh, I saw he, you looked. That wasn't good. Remember, he was kind and loving to you first, Luke says. That's where it's got to start. The secret to loving is simply living love. And you know what? I do hope that you show love this season. But I really am hoping you receive it first. And, and that's just not just a preacher comment. I hope you get it. You are worth the trouble. You really, really are. Because I know the adversary doesn't want you to believe it. Please believe it. Now, I do say it for the people in your life who do need it, though. But there is not a marriage-saving love in you. There is not a friendship-preserving devotion in you. Unless you allow God to make a deposit inside your heart, there's no way in the world you can write checks on it for those around you. So I'm just encouraging you this morning, as we gather together as family, Remember, you are so worth it. This Advent series that we've been involved with for the four weeks in December has a, an interesting ingredient to it. It doesn't just celebrate His coming. It does so because maybe, just maybe, that really is the foundation for you believing He's coming again. And you really need to hang on to that. Because, folks, one day is coming when you won't have to worry about how to write a check for love, all right? For that next-door neighbor and their yabbing, yapping chihuahua, just for illustration's sake. Pray for me, all right? And I, I, I can't love them by just going, all right, no matter how much, jaw set, determination in, love neighbor. Can't do that. But I can remember my yapping and how much I wear him out with some of that, and it'll help. But a day's coming when there's not going to be any more yapping chihuahuas. Praise God. No more husbands who won't put the lid on the toilet down. Praise God. 
or, or kids who, who bring in their muddy shoes after it's rained for two straight days. Praise God. All that's coming to an end. No more tears, no more pain, no more cancer. But we won't get excited about that until we honestly get excited about He came. But He is coming. Listen to the words of Revelation. And when He comes, <laughs> there's not going to be any need for candles. Not going to be any need for lights. Not any need for even a sun. Because the Son of God will be right in the center of it all. And love will just be what we are. And who we are and what we do. It will so envelop us. You don't want to miss out on that. You don't want to miss out on that. So come on. Welcome His love into your heart first. And yes, give it away. But this morning, please hear me one more time. You think you're not worth the trouble? (laughs) Wrong. Jesus says, you are so worth it. Now, we've got a song that we're going to sing here that's called our invitation song, but I want to, I want to invite you to invite his love into your heart. And if, if that moves you to make a public confession and saying, okay, I've never said I want to be a Christian, but I want to be one today. Wow, what a present you could give God. You may receive a lot of gifts this year, but you want to give him one back to say, yes. I noticed, and I want it, I welcome it, and you can do that today. And if we could pray for you and your family, and you know, we're going to have elders at the back and a couple here at the front, could we do that as our gift to you? Let's stand and let's praise in church.